Chapter 31 Year 880 PXF Fall Thorn woke up in his bed back at his apartment to the smell of simmering dragonborn spices wafting to him from the kitchen. His body ached, but he could at least feel all of it, and it seemed whole from what he could tell. As he started to stir and sit up in bed, Naz came through the open door of his bedroom. Take it slow. It has been a couple of days, Naz informed Thorn. I have been feeding you potions, but the curse has done the majority of the work. It has been remarkable to witness. He continued. With the stigma around what we did and the damage it causes so recognizable, I dared not call a cleric once I saw you were stable. Thorn, still sitting on the edge of the bed, began checking the functionality of each limb and joint as he reassured Naz. You did the right thing. The spell and the curse's influence would have been undeniable, either in the moment or as I healed in ways beyond anything but extraordinary magics. Other than some range of movement issues, his upper limbs seemed to be doing all right. However, upon standing, he realized his knees were not functioning fully, and his balance was entirely off-kilter. Naz rushed over to help him, putting Thorn's arm over his shoulders. Then, in a half-limp, half-stagger, they moved to the kitchen, where Naz helped Thorn into one of the higher bar chairs and helped him prop up his legs to support them. My research says you will have to rehabilitate your walking. Unfortunately, your legs got the worst of it. They looked like they had been crushed under a landslide. Naz paused, head lowered and nictitating membranes closed over his eyes in shame. Thorn, I am so sorry. Genuinely dismayed, he added, You trusted me, and my spell ripped you apart. Naz, there is no one in this life I trust more, and I knew exactly what the spell would do and in whose hands I was placing my survival. Thorn looked into Naz's draconic eyes. I called you brother, and I meant it. You are the first piece of family I... Thorn patted his hand on his heart twice. This me. Thorn has. Emotion caught in his throat as he said the words aloud. Brother. Nazji seemed to taste the word. Dragonborn have clutch siblings, which is more a statement of generation than emotional connection. Naz tried the title again. Brother. I think it would be nice to have a brother. Naz's frills stood proud, reflecting his happiness and satisfaction. He continued. So, brother, I am wondering, would it be too much to ask you to teach me to defend myself? I can't help thinking, had I known what to do in the fight, all of this could have been avoided. Well, I'll need to be able to walk first, but yes, I would be more than happy to. Thorn glanced at the stove and the large pot simmering there. But can we eat whatever that is you are cooking in the meantime? Naz smiled. I'll break out the lichen milk. You're going to need it. Thorn was back on his feet and stable enough to navigate around Oldstone independently less than a week later, although at a measured pace. By the next hearth's rest, he began the process of training Naz in the art of combat. Naz wasn't exaggerating that he had never been in a fight, so the correct weapon choice for him became vital. After trying multiple options with comical and sometimes disastrous results, 
Nazji, in a stroke of inspiration, suggested creating a whip from one of the telekinetic ropes they used in the shop. After some modifications to the length and enchantments on one of the lengths of magical twine, Naz crafted a 16-foot whip that responded not only to his physical manipulation, but also to his mental commands. Training Naz proved to be the perfect thing for Thorn as well. He quickly discovered he had lost much of his flexibility and coordination as an after-effect of the enlargement spell, and as such, it paced his and Naz's exercises to a level where they were on equal footing. Thorne immensely enjoyed training as equals, instead of the unbending rigor and demanding style of Lachlan that Talon had experienced and used to train Osman. They were brothers, walking the same path together, side by side, instead of an expert pushing and driving the beginner. Year 881 PXF Early Summer While Blossom Festival occurred in spring in the lowlands, Thorn and Naz had taken to celebrating it in early summer, here in the Limehold Peaks, when the high mountain apple trees came into bloom. They sat in one of the dwarven wild meadows, deep in a protected valley, where the trees flourished independently, without the tending required in the lowland orchards. Opening their blossom feast basket, Naz let out a groan. Seriously, brother? Lamshank King's Fair again? With a playful punch to Naz's now meteor shoulder from nearly a year of training, Thorn shot back. Hey, not my fault. You were the one who lost at training last night, and the dead don't get to pick Hearth's rest provisions, Thorn stated playfully, with a wicked grin from ear to ear. Naz laughed and added, I think you are the only person who eats this. You know there are much better dragonborn meal halls and cuisine than Malkadan's King's Fair, right? Oh, I know. But sometimes you just want comfort food. No matter how it tastes, it is the memory you crave, Thorn mused. But you crave this three to four times a week, Naz lamented. I guess you shouldn't lose so much in training, Thorn said lightheartedly. Naz opened his jaws, pretending like he was going to breathe lightning at Thorn, who immediately surrendered. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's cheating. We've talked about this. The taller dragonborn took the opportunity presented by the distraction of using his lightning breath to grab Thorn's hair and give him a noogie through his human brother's wild locks of hair. He rolled his eyes and suffered the humiliation. Thorn reminded himself how much he regretted teaching the dragonborn about noogies by doing the same to Naz and on his frills, only to find out just how much his scales were like a cheese grater on his knuckles. Ever since, it had become Naz's most often form of physical affection, and if he admitted it, the silly brotherly hazing always gave him a smile. In actuality, Naz had become quite adept in his training and, with Thorn drawing upon his past life's knowledge, had created a unique fighting style with his whip. The enchanted whip could not only be used traditionally, but with its magical properties and Naz's concentration, it could also double over on itself and become as rigid as a quarterstaff for close quarters fighting. Thorn could honestly say he had never encountered something quite as versatile. Paired with the Dragonborn's lightning breath and leaping ability, Naz won as often as not in their sparring, leaving Thorn the dead brother left to Nazji's dining whims for the night. In addition to their training, they had also begun a new project. Naz, able to find inspiration anywhere, had contemplated how the demon had co-opted the rotary mining construct as its body, 
It had been able to manipulate it as though it were its own flesh, even though all the runes and sigils etching every surface had been nullified. He pondered if he could create an internal rune and enchantment-based core that articulated clockwork joints and actuators without the need for the hundreds upon hundreds of laborious surface etchings they now utilized for the same. It was an undertaking unlike any Naz had ever tried. Due to the precision and arcane balance needed to create a stable core of such impermeable powerful runes, he enlisted Thorn to help. Much like their training had been a partnership, this new feat of artifice was as well. Naz had two centuries of experience, but this was new territory, so experiments were collaborations in design, execution, and safety. The two alternated their evenings between training and magic. Each shared their own experience and learned from the others, growing their skills together as a team, pushing each other to new places they could not have reached alone. It forged a bond unlike any Thorn had experienced in his previous life as Talon. While Osman had been a little brother and Talon his Kroldran, Naz was his equal. Each could be the guide and mentor, as well as the one needing guidance and teaching. There was a balance between them as strong and profound as the balance of nature itself. Sitting in the verdant valley surrounded by blooming trees and wildflowers, Thorn couldn't help but reminisce about the lowlands and Riken. The acute reality of the curse was always with him and what it likely meant for the duration of and how he could live the rest of his life. If he had any intention of finding Riken, he would need to start contemplating that path, as it now seemed to have an endpoint, regardless of the outcome. However, the deity who had saved him and made him their champion had promised that a root existed to a tree bursting with blooms and a bountiful harvest that included Riken, so he kept faith that it was true. But for now, he had his pewter-scaled brother, spicy dragonborn stew, and dark dwarven stout in a meadow full of springtime's hope and beauty. Year 882, PXF Early Winter Living with people as timeless as dwarves and dragonborn, seasons become like weeks and years, no more than months. A year and a half slipped away as Thorn and Naz trained, invented, and deepened their bond of brotherhood, both in the workshop and on their transit portal trips across the length and breadth of Limehold. Thorn had adopted the hammer he enchanted as his permanent offhand weapon for sentimental and practical reasons, and Naz's core, while not yet functional, was still holding the promise that it was a viable idea. They didn't speak about the curse that continued to churn inside Thorn and wherever its insidious course might lead. They were acutely aware of drawing too much more attention, as word of what had occurred with the possessed mining construct had leaked out. The two of them were spending far more time and energy tamping down either rumors of Naz using forbidden spells or that something strange was happening to Thorn than either of them liked. The Feast of Last Friend's Remembrance was approaching again, and precisely a fortnight before was a day that not only Thorn celebrated, but Talon had celebrated before him. Riken's birthday. Riken would be turning 47 this year. A lifetime had practically passed them by, and while Thorn had long ago lost hope of a life together, he still held hope for that single day he had requested of Kasfarian decades before. Thorn should have been long in bed. He had wished Riken a happy birthday hours ago, 
and blown out a single candle on the small honey muffin he had purchased for the occasion. But try as he might, he could not find rest. Instead, Thorne's reflection in the small mirror above the washbasin kept haunting him, catching his eye every time he passed it. As he made the sixth or seventh lap around his rooms, from balcony to great room to kitchen to bedroom, he faced the reality that the mirror was a problem. Well, not actually the mirror, Thorne mused, the face in it. The visage reflected there was not that of a human who had lived over forty-five years. It now looked like thirty was still years away. The changes in Thorne were beyond explaining away as a glamour or aesthetic charm to the citizens of Oldstone especially with the closer scrutiny after the enlargement spell and miraculous recovery. The number of clerics, magic users, and those who used glamours was too numerous for rumours not to grow, and where rumours sprouted, there were always ears to hear them and darken them with fear and superstition. Even the casual friends he had known for eight years at the Lambshank no longer held a seat for him when he would venture there alone, and the anonymity he had enjoyed as just being human was gone. Instead, he was now branded with the whispered label of Cursed. Thorne suspected this would be his last winter in the dwarven city he had called his home for nearly a decade. Thorne added ruefully that the blessing, or the curse of it, was that the face in the mirror he could honestly say was no longer Talon's face at the same equivalent age. Thorne wanted to believe that the difference he saw in his visage was the lack of the strain of Talon's training with Lachlan and the bulk of Talon's body. However, a part of him was beginning to believe the horrific revelation he had had at the smithy, that his father and the black chains that bound Talon had exerted some unknown influence over his strength and size. Thorne could find traces of Talon peering into the mirror while manipulating his face with his fingers, but the young man that looked back at him was now distinctly Thorn. One might think of them as cousins or, with what should be the age difference, uncle and nephew, but not the same person. The only thing that remained identical was his fully regrown mane of unruly hair and the scar Lachlan had placed upon his chest. Year 883, PXF Late Winter at the first sign of spring, before the tensions regarding Thorn could rise like sap in the maple trees, Nazji arrived at his door with an old friend. Looking the same as always was Castian, sly smile on their lips and two pairs of snowshoes in hand. Throwing a set to Thorn, he stated, The passes are mostly open. He looked to Thorn for the first time, adding, Old man. So get packed, and we will be on our way tomorrow. Nazji tried to explain in stuttering, tumbling words that he had planned to gently talk Thorn into the idea of heading out of the city and how much he wished he could stay, between every phrase shooting daggers with his eyes at Kaz. Thorn just smiled. This is exactly as it should be, and, I might add, well-timed. Thorn presented his leg and showed a small gap that had formed at the back of his shoe, and that he had to hike up his pants about half an inch. Nazji and he shared a silent glance, both knowing the pants and shoes had fit him perfectly at the end of the previous summer. Once Nazji overcame his horror at Castian's lack of tact, he began processing the new development. He stated urgently, I think you must somehow find the Vermilion Blade. 
It is the only clue we have to the origin of the curse, and how it is... Naz paused, searching for the correct, least damning words. Diminishing your age. Crossing to Thorn, he added, with pain clouding his eyes, knowing what he might be signing up for. If you can't find the blade or a cure, come back here before it is too late. I will care for you until the end if necessary. Naz pressed a returning stone into his hand. This will get you home, brother, when the time comes that you need me. With a tight grip on Naz's shoulder, showing his deep gratitude for the offer, both hoping it would never be needed, they left Thorn's apartment and headed for the River Rock District. The trio ignored the stares of other patrons and celebrated their last night at the Lambshank with tankards of stout, King's Fair stew spiced to blazing heat, and sourdough liberally spread with creamed mushroom cheese. Malkadan came to their table, which had formed a halo of empty space around it, and silently deposited an enchanted sealed crockpot for travel, simply labeled, King's Fair. May the gods walk your journey with you. As they dined, Thorn looked around him, the conversation and companionship of his friends fading into the background. The towering majesty of Sunhall Cavern soared above him, still bustling with the activity of tens of thousands of souls. On his first night, he mused in his apartments that he would not even be a footnote in the lives of the citizens here, and with a maudlin sigh, it sank in just how true that was. But, he reconciled with himself, isn't that the way most anywhere? In any form it may take, only love makes you real in someone else's story. The following day, Thorn took his leave of Oldstone by way of Sunhall. Thorn only looked back once which was more than Talon ever did when he left the Corvermain estate. It had been a good childhood for Thorn here under the mountain, blessed with friends, a brother, and the roots of a new life.